you guys may not all know Nick's wife, Nikki. She usually comes to the first service. Uh, everybody has a superpower in life. Nikki's superpower is losing things. Um, <laughs> you didn't even get to laugh at that in the first service. Everything was going wrong technologically, but she really does. Uh, since they have lived here, they've lived here like five months, I think, she has lost... Um, her driver's license uh, separately. These are all separate losings. Like she's lost her driver's license, her debit card, her keys, her, uh, the dry erase board and the cookies that we got for the next step thing. We literally gave it out at 11 o'clock and before the thing started at six, she had lost it. Uh, I mean, she can lose anything. Now to her credit, she usually finds it and she searches for them with different levels of uh, enthusiasm and urgency based on the value of them. Like if it were me, that cookie, I would be turning over heaven and earth to find a cookie. In fact, I'll tell you the truth. The other day I found the cookie in the back of my car. She had ridden home with Natalie that Sunday and put it in the back of the car and couldn't find it. And this is how important cookies are to me and value. Like I kind of bent it to see like if it was still a little soft. Now I didn't need it because my wife would have judged me uh, for the rest of my life. But, uh, but that cookie would have been important to me. Uh, like I said, eventually Nikki always finds this stuff and she inevitably texts Natalie and Nick and Kayla and I and says, look what I found. Like it'll be a picture of the debit card or the car keys. And I will inevitably always text back with hashtag Luke 15. If you know Luke 15, that's the chapter where Jesus talks about a shepherd who goes looking for a lost sheep and finds it, uh, and then a woman who loses a very valuable coin and turns over the house to find it, and then a father whose son wanders away, and eventually the son comes home, and the father has a huge party, and Nikki finding her debit cards and keys is the equivalent to me in modern day of the stories that Jesus is telling in Luke 15. For anybody who's ever lost anything valuable, be it a, a license, how many of you ever lost your license? Uh, yep. Uh, a credit card, anybody ever done? That's the scare, that one is scary. Natalie lost her debit card uh, three or four months ago, and, uh, and a friend of ours found it three months later. It had fallen out of her pocket into the, the crack between the seat and the console in our friend's wife's uh, car. Uh, maybe you've lost your wedding ring. Uh, maybe you've lost a homework assignment, a digital file in remote school. Owen has lost a lot of files that when they transfer from one platform to the next in remote schooling, some days his uh, his files would just disappear, at, at which point the world melts down and there is shedding of tears and gnashing of teeth, and it's a really, really ugly scene. In between that losing and the finding is this massive search effort and rescue effort with tons of anxiety. What's the most valuable or sentimental thing you've ever lost? Now, if you're sitting in here, I don't want you to yell out loud, but if you're on Facebook Live, just write in the chat, like, what is it? And, and by the way, you will never offend me if you whip out your phone and, and talk on Facebook Live during the service in the chat with other people who are watching live. What's the most valuable thing that you've ever lost? How terrifying is that feeling of losing it? How joyful is that feeling of finding it? It's pretty amazing. Now, religion, religion, and, and by religion, I do not mean relationship with God. 
If religion is our way of working our way to God, relationship with God is God working his way to us. But religion can feel like a massive search and uh, rescue effort as well. I meet people, and there are a lot of people in our life right now who are on one of these real searches to find God or peace with God or meaning in life, and they're engaging several things. If you've ever tried religion, you probably tried one of these three things. I'm just going to broadly kind of silo these things that I think make up the crux of our religious effort. One is we try to engage our mind. Like people who are trying religion, maybe learning something or thinking about God and the meaning of life or asking questions or trying to know the unknown and mysterious. Like, so one part of religion is trying to connect with God via our mind. The second sort of silo of this would be morality. We do morality in religion. We try to slough off some bad things. How many of you have ever not just tried to kick a habit because it was bad for you, but almost like, well, if I do this, God might love me more. My parents might not be so furrow-browed with me. Or we try to add in some good habits. And the third silo of this would be rhythms and habits. People try to change their rhythms and change their habits. Maybe that's going to church for the first time in a long time or praying, or serving the less fortunate. I was talking with someone the other day who volunteers at a homeless shelter and soup kitchen uh, during the year, and they go in March because in December in Boston, some of the shelters, was it you who was telling us this, Barb? It wasn't, was it? Yeah, the, the shelters charge money to come and volunteer. Their biggest fundraiser of the year is uh, charging people to come and serve because people deal with this religious guilt and they want to go and serve, change their rhythms and habits of the holidays. And I know people who try all three at once. And I I hear people who say to me stuff like, I'm going to come to God as soon as I stop drinking. I've been told that before. I'm going to come to God, but first I'm going to stop drinking. I've heard people say, I'm going to become a Christian. I just, I need to start going to church and acting more Christian first. And I've had people who've said to me, you know, my kids are getting older. We could use some religion in our family right now. And those are essentially this quest of trying to make our way to God. These friends who I really love, they almost never seem to get there. The people who really have these good intentions of finding and pursuing and chasing down God rarely seem to get there. They're like Buddy the Elf trying to go on a quest to find the dad. Do you remember that? Religion is essentially a lot like Buddy trying to go find his dad. Now, we learned something frustrating this morning is that Apple is um, very powerful and they can do what they want to do. And one thing they decided that they were going to do is not let the movie that we have in Apple TV work with the projector. So I'm going to sum up for you my favorite montage that you would have seen my video. Now you'll have to go home tonight and watch it. But there's a a five minute, a four, four minute and 41 second clip in Elf where essentially Santa blesses Buddy Uh, who is a human being raised by elves to go find his father in Manhattan. And so Buddy decides he's going to leave out. Do you remember he jumps onto the piece of ice and it splinters off from the land and he begins uh, to go out looking for his dad. I love it because Mr. Narwhal pops out and says, 
goodbye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. And then he goes through the water. He lands in the, uh, I believe, the candy cane-ish forest or something like that. Then the next scene you see is almost like the scene in Lord of the Rings with the hobbits and Gandalf. Like you see uh, Buddy walking through knee-deep snow by himself in this sort of epic scene. And then the next scene you see is him coming up on a raccoon. And he's trying to talk. Barrett, you like that part? He's going to talk with the raccoon, and the raccoon is not having any of it. And he says, looks like somebody needs a hug. And he tries to hug the raccoon, and the raccoon attacks him. And all I see is rabies when that part happens in the movie, right? The next thing you see is him coming into the city. He goes through the Lincoln Tunnel, and then he comes out into the sunlight, and he sees the skyline, and then the magic really starts happening. First time I saw it in the theater, I was roaring, you know. He, he sees the guy in the red sweatsuit, and he waves at him as if he's Santa. Then he gets hit by the taxi cab, and then he starts eating the gum off of the bottom of the railing at the subway, and then he's getting the free paper papers, uh, the sale papers, and he keeps saying, thank you, thank you. Like, I love that. I say that to my kids sometimes. And then he goes in the coffee shop and he's like, congratulations, guys, you did it. World's best cup of coffee. And then finally, after he does all of that, he looks up and he sees the Empire State Building where his dad works and he holds up his little snow globe of the Empire State Building and he knows he's, find his, he's found his dad. That is what religion essentially does. It calls us to go a long way to work our way to God. Christianity, following Jesus, by contrast, offers relationship with God, where God works his way to us in Christ. The Advent wreath is a reminder that God knows we are in darkness. And Jesus, like with Mary's growing pregnancy, Jesus comes closer and closer to coming into our world, God working his way to us in Christ. Religion is about our ongoing work. Christianity is about Christ's finished work. Religion calls us to do. Christianity says it's done. How do I know these things? I want to tell you a different story about another man, probably about as odd looking in his world as, G as Buddy the Elf was in 2004 in that movie. Uh, if you've got a Bible, we're going to just look at two verses from Luke chapter 19 today. Nick's going to put these two verses up. And I'm going to give you kind of the backstory, if I might, really quickly. From Buddy, we see a couple things, by the way. We see that it's a long hike to God if you're going by way of religion. Just like Buddy's quest to find, um, like Buddy's quest to find his dad, religion is a long hike to God. Also, we find it's an upside-down world. These are not notes. These are just observations, com comparisons from the movie. We live in an upside-down world that conspires against, at times, us uh, finding God just through circumstance. Things will not go as we thought they would. We also find, like Buddy, I love this part where he gets hit by the taxi cab, and later he says. Uh, watch out for the yellow ones. They don't stop, right? Like we find that life comes with all kinds of obstacles and traffic. And then just like New York, we find that life has tons of distractions and delights. In the middle of all that, Jesus is calling us. Now, around, around the time that Jesus was born and lived, there was another guy who was born and lived. His name was Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus had three social strikes against him, okay? The first one was that he was a tax collector. How many of you love the IRS? Yeah, none of us, right? Zacchaeus was essentially an IRS employee and 
uh, a mob hitman wrapped in one. If you can imagine those two things together, that's Zacchaeus as a, as a first century Roman Empire tax collector. He's also really, really, really rich. Really rich. We're going to see that in just a moment. And then finally, he's really short. And I don't mean in a world of 5'9", he's 5'7". Zacchaeus is so noticeably short that even his height would have made him a social outsider. Like in a world of 5'9", he's probably 4'5". And so socially, economically, and physically, and relationally, he is an outsider. And as a four-time outsider, he's looking for meaning, and he hears Jesus is coming to his town. So what's he do? Now, I once learned a song about Zacchaeus. Did anybody grow up learning this song about Zacchaeus? Maybe a couple of you did. It went something like, Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. This is a song I remember having to sing when I was a kid. Zacchaeus was so desperate to see Jesus as an outsider, alone and alienated from God, that, the, that Luke 19 says he ran to where Jesus was going to be and he climbed up into a tree. These are things that in the first century world men didn't do. Barrett, do you climb trees? Not too much. Does Junior climb trees? Junior, you climb trees? You like to climb trees? Absolutely. When kids climb trees, that's great. It's something very cute and fun about that, and I wish I could climb them. In Jesus' world, men did not climb trees. It would be so undignified. And yet, here's Zacchaeus climbing a tree to try to connect with Jesus. And what does Jesus say when he sees him? Does he go up to him and say, Zacchaeus, I am so impressed today by your effort and how you climbed this tree that I want to have relationship with you because clearly you want to see me. Not at all. Jesus, in fact, does the exact opposite. Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to need you to climb down from that tree. I'm going to have lunch at your house today. Jesus is the, <laughs> I love this. Jesus invites himself to someone else's house and invites them to have a meal. Has anybody ever done that to you? Invited themselves to your house? That is the worst. Like you get hoodwinked. You don't even realize it happened, do you, Kelly? Like, like what, what, what just happened there? They just, that person just invited. And then you race home to try to clean up and throw everything into one closet and hide it. And then you're fixing a meal. And the whole time you're like Fred Flintstone mumbling under your breath. How did they get over and invite themselves to my house? Jesus, unsinfully, invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus is so lonely and desperate that he's thrilled by it. And Jesus seems to want to know Zacchaeus, regardless of who this man has been or what he's done. And the crowd, by the way, they're furious because they know Zacchaeus is bad. Jesus, how dare you hang out with this guy? He has cheated us and robbed us, and he is a sinner, they say to Jesus. And he totally doesn't care. All he wants is to hang out with Zacchaeus and spend some time with him. So Zacchaeus climbs down from the tree. Now, this is key, and I think a lot of people don't understand this. There's a lot of people in our life, Jesus is speaking to them and kind of reeling them in, right? He's inviting himself into their lives. But that is not enough. We can't sort of stay up in the, the tree of religion when Jesus is inviting and think that's enough. The invitation alone is not enough. We actually at some point have to climb down from the tree and accept the invitation. 
and say, Jesus, through no merit and effort of my own, you're inviting me and I'm climbing down out of self-effort and receiving you to, today. So Zacchaeus does that. They get together for this impromptu party. And at the end of it, Zacchaeus pledges two things. First, he says, right off the top, Jesus, every, every dollar I have, I'm going to give away half of it. He's literally going to write a check with 50% of his estate off the table. The next thing he says he's going to do is anybody he's ever cheated, he's going to give them back four times what he's ever stolen. So we can learn two things from that. One, we learn Zacchaeus is insanely rich. There's nobody in this community with that kind of wealth, honestly. And there's some wealthy people in this community. The second thing we learn from this is that Zacchaeus on that day became a very, very financially broke man. Meeting Jesus was worth more to Zacchaeus than all the wealth in all the world. And so he gives it all away. And we find that Jesus is the best treasure. He finds that Jesus is the best treasure because we can't, because in Jesus, we find God comes looking for us. In Jesus, we find God giving us more than we earn or deserve. In Jesus, we find the best treasure that status or stuff or knowledge or morality can't even match up with. And so Jesus sums up this encounter with Zacchaeus by saying these two things. I think we've got, yeah, verse, uh, we go back. Uh, yeah, this is the one, verse nine. So in verse nine, Jesus says, today, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Now, if you go to the next verse, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. There's two key phrases in this that I want us to go through. The first one's in verse 9. Nick, if you wouldn't mind flipping back to that. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house since he is the son of Abraham. It's actually two fascinating things going on here. First, salvation is coming to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was trying to climb his way to Jesus, but finds that Jesus has actually come to him. Salvation has come to this house. Jesus is equating himself with salvation. Like in Revelation, I believe it's in chapter 3, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will open the door to me, I will come in and dine with him. Jesus is saying, I've come to your house. I'm knocking on the door, Zacchaeus. Will you let me in? Not only that, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father unless he or she comes through me. Salvation is in Christ. And Jesus is saying, today salvation has come to this house. Today Zacchaeus has been saved since he also is a son of Abraham. Now this is fascinating. A son of Abraham is a first century term among Jews that showed that you were uh, part of God's family. And most Jews, most of Jesus' contemporaries believe that you are part of God's family because you were born Jewish. But Jesus isn't saying that Zacchaeus is saved because he's Jewish. Jesus is actually hearkening back to a verse in Genesis 15, 6 that says, And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's Abraham's belief that made Abraham the father of Jews and Christians. It's not an ethnic family, it's a faith family. And Abraham believed God and became part of God's family. And Jesus is saying today Zacchaeus is saved, not because he's Jewish, but because he's believed. Salvation has come 
Because he's believed. Now go to verse 10, if you will. Another powerful phrase. For the Son of Man, it's Jesus' favorite term for himself. It comes from the Old Testament prophecies. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Religion will make you think you are Buddy the Elf. Religion will make you think you are Buddy the Elf. Pure-hearted, going on a quest for God. And I've got good news and bad news for you. The good news is that the gospel is true. The bad news is you are not Buddy the Elf. And neither am I. We, my friends, are Walter Hobbs. You know who Walter Hobbs is? Walter Hobbs is Buddy's dad. And the gospel would tell us we are infinitely more like Walter than we are like Buddy. We are nothing like Buddy. We are just like Walter. Religion deceives us by telling us we are pure-hearted, sincere, and on a quest. The gospel reveals that we're not actually good or incapable of making our way to God. We are lost. We have hearts that steal books from children's in orphanages. Remember Walter did that and the nun is there pleading her case. We have hearts that leave pages out of books for kids. Our hearts are not good. We are evil and greedy. But the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost because we can't find him on our own and we can't secure our own salvation. We believe, worship, serve, and have entrusted ourselves to the God who comes looking for us. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Here's the one note for today. If you take notes on your phone or you take notes, we only have a slide for it. God is the God who comes looking for us. God is the God who comes looking for us. That's the only note. God is the God who comes looking for us. Jesus is like Buddy. Now, just like in that movie, I think the response of the New Yorkers is pretty indicative of how we respond too. Some people ignore Buddy and a ton of people ignore Jesus. I, I, I remember the first time I ever went to New York it was like 1995. And I remember them telling me, you will walk down the streets and, and do not get separated from our group because there will be so many people on the streets of New York at rush hour that you will get separated and never find. And I remember seeing Buddy the Elf walking in the middle of the crowd and they're not even paying attention. Like, why is there a six foot plus man in an elf costume walking down the sidewalks of New York at rush hour, right? Some people do that to Jesus. They ignore him. Other people are confused by Buddy and many people are confused by Jesus and haven't explored the gospel and whether it might be true. Um, they know some sort of cultural Christianity and have ideas of what Jesus was like, but they mostly just see him as an example or a mystery hidden in the page of their grandma's Bibles. How many of you had a grandmother with a massive Bible that was both Bible and could be weapon, right? Like you needed a wheelbarrow to carry that thing out. It just sat there. And I remember seeing that Bible of my grandparents and my eyes being really big and you would open it and there would be notes about when people were married and when people died and when people were born. But I mean, to crack open the pages of those ma massive Bibles, it's just too confusing. A lot of people see God like that and see faith like that. The third uh, reaction that some people can have is to be irritated. They get irritated with Buddy and they find his joy to be an annoyance. And, uh, and a lot of people, they just kind of throw him out. You remember he's taking the sale papers and he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And finally the guy's like, man, what are you doing? Get out of here. A lot of people do that with Jesus. They get irritated with him and they push him away because it's just odd. A lot of people... They're so, what religion will do 
is it will make you want to be smug in your self-effort and self-righteousness. And we begin to push Jesus away when he says we can't add anything to it. Finally, some people like the brother are won over. Do you remember Buddy's half-brother? He hates him at first. And I love that scene where Buddy goes to pick him up from school and he's like, uh, what'd you do today? How was your day? And he's talking so fast. He's like, guess what? I saw a dog today. Did you see a dog? And some, sometimes we'll pick Noah and Owen up from school and they'll be like, guess what? And we'll say, did you see a dog today? And they don't get the joke. It flies right over their head. But they get in that snowball fight scene and the brother is won over by Buddy and they become friends. And some people are won over eventually by Jesus and find hope in him. They find nowhere else. His love alters everything. So what does Zacchaeus think of Jesus's invitation? Luke tells us. In Luke 19.6, it says Zacchaeus received him joyfully and we can too. Christmas, I love Christmas. You may not know this about my wife. She loves Christmas. Her name in French means Christmas child. This buddy, the elf, she graciously lent it to our church today. Uh, after today, it will be in our living room window. If you drive by our house, you will see it because she wants everyone to know that she truly has the, the Christmas spirit of Buddy the Elf. I want to invite you to receive Jesus joyfully this Christmas, even today, if you never have. He came to seek and to save you. And if we're willing to climb down from the tree of religion and receive him joyfully, he will become our savior. There are people watching by Facebook Live. There are people in this community. You have family members who are truly climbing up the trees of religion this Christmas because it's been such a hard year. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they want to see God. And Jesus will invite them, maybe even through you, to come down from the tree of self-effort and to receive him into our life because the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Bob Goff has written, we can stop auditioning for a part we already have. When we accept how loved we are, we stop climbing, stop striving, and stop pretending. So by way of application or invitation today, I want to invite you to two things. One, very tangibly, I want to invite you, if you're a Christian or if you're seeking, if you're even on Facebook Live and you're seeking Jesus, I want to invite you uh, to show that you've received him joyfully or are considering doing so by putting up some form of a nativity set in your house. That's a very tangible thing I want you to do. I want you to put up some form of a nativity set in your house this Christmas. You might have one already. It might be a family heirloom that's been passed down. Maybe you have a ceramic one or a nice one. I've seen olive oil ones that are real, like olive, or excuse me, olive wood ones that are really beautiful. Maybe you have a clay one. Maybe you have a toy one for your kids. I've seen a Veggie Tales one before. I've seen a, a Precious Moments one before. We used to have one of those for our kids. Uh, maybe if you don't have one, don't go buy one. Just print one off on the computer and, uh, and, and put it on your refrigerator. Don't go spend a bunch of money. Uh, maybe make one out of Play-Doh. Can I tell you my favorite nativity set we have at our house? When Noah and Owen were really little, one year I, I read the Christmas story to them and we drew each character on just paper and colored it. They, they drew it and colored it. And their angel was like a ninja angel. And to this day, we still have those paper drawings. They're folded up and beginning to turn yellow. They're they're just old at this point, but it's such a powerful reminder of that story and their life. Make one out of Play-Doh if you want. Just don't go buy one. Be creative. This Christmas, when you walk by it, 
Remember that the child in the manger is God coming to seek and to save you. And when your heart was like Walter Hobbes or like Zacchaeus, Christ came looking for you to seek and to save the lost. Our God is the God who comes looking for us. Every time you see the nativity set, remember our God is the God who comes looking for us. And then secondly, finally, I want to encourage you one last time to realize that you are not buddy. I'm not either. We are Walter. We're the cold-hearted dad. Jesus is buddy. And you and I and everyone around us has a heart like Walter in need of being changed by grace through faith. So when someone talks with you about your nativity set or mentions the movie Elf or just talks about what a hard year it's been, I want to encourage you to think to yourself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And maybe God would even have you be bold and share the gospel with them. Maybe when they see your nativity set, you would, know, you would say, you know, this is the point of this thing. <laughs> this is the point of this whole month. Or maybe if you're talking with somebody about Elf, this will really wreck people's minds. Uh, if you're talking with somebody about Elf, say, you know what? I've been thinking a lot lately. <laughs> God is a lot like Buddy the Elf. I promise you, your unchurched, unchristian friend is not thinking of Jesus as being Buddy the Elf. So that might be a good conversation provoker. Finally, it might be that you just say, hey, I just want to encourage you to come to church with me this Christmas. It's been a tough year for sure. But let me tell you where we can find some hope and we don't have to do anything. I want to invite you to come with me or maybe to watch on Facebook Live or maybe you'll just share at the end of the service. If it seems scary, remember that God has called us to move mountains. God is calling us to bold moves, to bold moves. It is not us who are seeking to save the lost. See, this is what I always get wrong when it comes to this time of year and inviting people to church. I carry the weight of someone needing to follow Christ. I think if they say yes, then it was me who must have brought the good news. And if they say no, then I feel guilty like I failed God. But Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God is looking for family members and friends this Christmas. And maybe he would have us tell someone of what he's doing. Let me pray for us all.